Hi, this is Sean. I'm Liv. And this is Case Closed? Question mark. Welcome to the first episode. Um, we are really excited. We are really nervous, but we are just going to have some fun. I'm more nervous about listening to myself back on tape. Um, honestly, to, to, to tell you the honest truth, it definitely is something that I've gotten better with. I mean, um, you know, obviously, I don't know if our audience, hopefully our audience will know soon. I have another podcast that I do with some buddies of mine, but this is... Um, my lovely wife, Hi guys. Um, Liv. Um, Who hasn't this, made an appearance on the other one. <laughs> she hasn't made an appearance on the other one yet. Um, but uh, I have been doing that now for, you know, a year and a half. Um, and, it, but it, and that's something I had to get over too because I hate talking, like, about myself. Um, and so I definitely hate hearing myself speak. Which is really funny because we our first date was walking twelve miles and all we did was talk about ourselves. Right, but I mean, but like that's <laughs> many, like in many person, hours. like 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 it's different. But like we had this conversation the other day because she was making fun of me for the fact that I don't listen to my own podcast. Yeah, you don't, and um, I don't understand it. I just don't like listening to what I have to say. I just you know I know what I said. You know, I know what I, said. I know I sounded like an idiot. So you know, let's get. I like past. to listen at the door when you record. Do you really? I do, but I don't listen to them. I just listen to you. That's why I usually do puzzles out there. Fun fact, guys. I creep on my husband. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing else to do. So, I mean, everybody... <laughs> Unless I'm sleeping. That's true. That's 90% of her existence. I just like to sleep. Yeah. She really likes to sleep. I mean, not that I don't like to sleep either, but she All likes right. to sleep a lot more than me. Um, but we're not here to talk about our sleeping habits. We're here... To talk about something that me and Liv, you know, one of the first things that we clicked on, and it sounds just so creepy to most people when you say it, but we clicked on the fact that we both love hearing about gruesome crimes that have yes. happened. True crime, conspiracy theories, Anything ghost like, stories. Yeah, everything like that. I mean... The creepier, the better. For real. Yeah, and so that was one of our first things that just really... We took, off, we took off with that. I mean, we, she talked about it in a minute ago. Our first date, we walked 12 miles. In the rain. In the I'm rain, dumb basically. Dumb. Yeah. In a park um, right near where we live. Um, and well, um, near where you live. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, long stories. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into those over the course yeah. of this podcast um, before we get to the, uh, the uh, scary stuff and the... Uh, grimy details of these Gotta cases. Gotta lighten it up a little bit. Exactly. A little bit of a palate cleanser before exactly. it starts. So every once in a while, I probably do need a couple of palate cleansers, especially in this case. Yeah, for sure. Um, but we just, we had, we had so many conversations about true crime and the things that we love about true crime. You know, for me, everything got started when it came to true crime with serial, um, that podcast, I think for a lot of people, um, was like the first intro into like podcast like phenomenon. I mean, like before Serial, I had no idea what a podcast was. 
And um, the only reason why I got into cereal was because my sister, um, uh, the first case, and we're gonna the first case that we're gonna talk about had to do with um, where she lived um, outside of Baltimore. So it, it had like a personal connection to me. So it was really cool to like listen to a podcast and listen to this case and be like, oh, I know where that is. Um, so it just like the, the cereal is what started it for me. Um, I don't know, Liv, what was, what would you say was like the first thing that started it for you? For true crime or podcasts? Both. Like, you know what? Yes is the answer. Okay. So cool. Um, very quick recap is my grandmother loves true crime. So I used to go over to her house or she'd come over and watch us and we'd watch mostly Lifetime movies, but I really wasn't interested in the true ones that I know Lifetime isn't really true now as a, as a teenager, I really thought the Amanda Knox case on Lifetime was like the end all be all of like true crime. It's not, um, but she just always was interested in that stuff, so I got into it. Um, mostly, I, I mean, Morbid's my favorite podcast, for right. sure, hands down, without without a doubt. And I really hope one day we can collab with Hash and Alina, because I fame girl over them on a daily basis. But um, they kind of, they, they're they kind of doing the same thing that we plan on doing, as far as doing different cases. Right. Um, I have some really interesting ones, like um, about Phoebe Hanstruck, who supposedly maybe possibly fell down a garbage chute to in her own life right we'll talk about how that doesn't really work but that's probably definitely a weird case one we'll of the ones that, that made me want to want to really research some of these right yeah so i mean two different very you know two very different kind of ways that we got into it but it gave us the connection that you know turned into a love story yeah. and um just for like a like a fun little um, intro to we've only known each other a total of um four and a half months no that's a lie how long like six months six months i'm not good at math you no, guys will not. understand that <laughs> um well we we, we met um, i started at, to work at the same place as you because yeah. i'm afraid to name them Oh, I mean, I always name them my other podcast. Okay, well, I talk ahead. directly about them oh, okay. um, <laughs> we Great. both um well so i work I uh, still currently work for Whole Foods Market. Um, I won't say where, um, or at least the location, because I'm sure we'll talk about where we live at some point. Um, but, um, but, but... Uh, I don't need a hitman after me, my love. That's true. Um, but we met at Whole Foods Market. Uh, I was he was my boss. Yes, I was getting to that. <laughs> I was technically her boss. Um, and uh, then I no longer got to work there. Right. <laughs> Uh, that was... That's like, okay, though. That was three and a half months ago? No, I just told you we met six months no, ago. No, but when you stopped working there. I don't know when I quit working there. It was before we got married. Yeah. Um, well, within, you know, a week of us dating... Yeah. It was our third date. Our third date, we decided we wanted to get married. And, then and so we did. <laughs> we went and got our marriage license a week after our first date. Yep. And it was to the day almost. Yeah, it pretty much. And we told my parents and we told her parents. Everybody thought we were crazy because we were. Okay. I mean. We were. Wait, um, just for all you female listeners out there, don't plan a wedding in two months. No. I think I had a month and a half. Yeah. Don't do it. Just, just I mean, go to the courthouse. I mean, yeah. I mean, we had a beautiful wedding and I'm so like grateful for everybody who helped us and did everything that they did. But Lord have mercy. But if, I could, yeah, if we could go back in time, we probably oh. would have just done courthouse. 
I mean, um, I'm glad we have the pictures. I'm glad I had my true. dress. But I could have done that now. <laughs> yeah. And been just um, as happy. So, I mean, that's my two cents. Yeah. So, we've... Um, if you have any tips on a backyard wedding, let me know. Yeah, for real. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, but um, we're nine days away from being three months married. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. And it's been an amazing three months. Mm-hmm. Um, and within that time, we have adopted an awesome dog. Uh, his name is Flynn Ryder. But his real name's Eugene. Yes. Um, and he is the sassiest dog ever. Mr. Uh, Huffington. I'm sure you'll hear him every now and then. He's actually sitting right at my feet right now. We're going to have sure... a 10-minute intro about our life. Yes. But that's usually how this works. All right. Um, I'm just picking on you. I know. But you know how I like to talk long-winded. I know. But, uh, yeah. So I'm sure you'll hear his huffs every now and then because he's mad that we're not giving him attention. Um, you might have heard one a few seconds ago because he definitely let one out. He's so smart. He really is. We start talking about him and he'll huff and he'll roll over and he'll make himself known. Yes. And um, he makes decisions. That's probably one of the most interesting things that he does. Yeah. He'll answer yes or no questions. For sure. Um, he is, he is definitely a human trapped in a dog's body. Um, so, but we love him and, uh, we just love the adventures we've had with him so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're excited for more to come. Um, but yeah, so that's a little and a lot about us. Yeah. Um, but we figured it would be best to get you know acquainted with you guys and just let you guys know who we are and you know why we are doing what we're doing. Um, so without further ado, I think it is time we get into our case that we are going to be speaking on. And just to let you guys know, this is going to be a two-part because this case is a doozy. Is a doozy, and I'm sure it's a case that everybody knows at this point because I mentioned before that you know I got started because of cereal, and the case that we're going to be talking about is one that's near and dear to my heart, and that is the Heyman Lee case. Where do we start? It was 1999 in Baltimore. Heyman Lee was just 18 years old, um, or I believe she was 17 going on 18. Um, and 18. She was 18 at the time. Okay, gotcha. So um, she was a A-plus athlete, part of the magnet program at Woodlawn High School, which is um, just outside of, um, you know, it's in technically in Baltimore, but it's like right outside of Baltimore like City. She was an A-plus student. She was in the magnet program. She she was did athletics. She was just basically an all-around just amazing student, amazing person. Was the type of person that could light up a room. And unfortunately, on January 13th, 1999, she went missing. And for just about a month, she had not been found. Nobody knew what had happened to her. Last, she was seen leaving the school, presumably going to get what was usual, her usual, um, you know. Her usual stop. Stop was to go get a younger cousin out of daycare. And she never showed. And it was within hours that police. And it wasn't daycare, it was school, right? Because I had a time that she had to pick up. Yeah, so it was, I, I always used to think it was daycare, but then they kind of make it more clear it's actually a school 
So she would leave school, go pick up her cousin, and usually go to work. But she never showed up to pick up her cousin, and family and friends knew within hours that something was wrong. And one thing to remember about her, too, she was definitely a type A personality, very on top of things, never going to be late, never going to... You know, she didn't really change her routine very much. So that really tipped people off very quickly. Yeah. So she, so she went missing. Police were called and pretty quickly, which is very odd. I always used to think was really odd about this case is how quickly they consider her a missing persons. Um, You usually like finding cases like this where they'll be like, oh, it's only been a couple hours. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. she'll show up. But in this case... It was almost like from the beginning, they just knew something was wrong because of the fact that, like you said, she was type A. She never missed things. Um, At the time, she was dating a guy that she didn't go to school with. And he was a little bit older than her. And so, you know, basically nothing seemed right about it. Well, it was about a month later on February 9th, 1999, that her body was discovered in Lincoln Park, which is this uh, park right outside of uh, Baltimore in the county, not uh, Baltimore City. Um, And her body was found uh, by a man who was on his way back to work. And um, we'll talk probably more about this guy at some point. Um, But the man was... An interesting character. An interesting character, to say the least, yeah. And in in Serial, um, you guys have heard him referred to as uh, Mr. S. Um, But that's something that we will talk about on a later date. And just as a quick side note, like undisclosed and serial are a lot of where we got a lot of the information. Yeah. Um, and it's also a good place to start if you want a more in-depth look at this case. This right. is a really, really general overview. There's also an HBO documentary. Which is um, awesome. It's a, Yeah, it's awesome. So but there, we can't do it justice in two parts. But, yeah. you know, that's this is more of a general overview at our theories type right. thing. We'll definitely get more. Like this episode is going to be more about us kind of giving you a, a refresher. Yeah. And like a rundown. If you've never heard of this case, like she said, you know, like Liv said, definitely go and listen to Undisclosed. Or at least watch the documentary. Or the documentary. Putting, um, you know, faces to names is really helpful. Right, exactly. Even for me, who knows this case so well, like, just when I saw the documentary, it was awesome to see, like, faces and, like, finally, you know, finally know, like, what I was, you know, who it was and, like, what they, you know, were like. So, um, when she was found... You know, on February 9th, um, an autopsy would later reveal that her um, death was caused by manual strangulation. And so, at that point, there wasn't much to go off of in terms of, you know, they didn't know what happened, who was to blame, things like that. On February 12th, just a couple days after her um, body was discovered, the police received an anonymous phone call. Um, and in this anonymous phone call, they were, um, told to look at the ex-boyfriend. Um, now you'll, you'll see this come up in every, uh, report that you've ever read about it. They said that the caller was most likely an Asian male and the caller was saying that, hey, and a previous boyfriend had gone to Leakin Park several times to hook up. Um, that ex-boyfriend that they're speaking about is a man named 
Adnan Syed. Adnan Syed at the time, he was um, actually 17, and that's a very important thing to note because later on in the story, there was an issue with his uh, birth date where he was almost tried as an adult. But then they realized that there was a mistake. But that's another story. He was questioned, or he was the one that he was the one that the caller was talking about. Hey, and him used to hook up in Leakin Park. Yeah, and what's really interesting about that call too is police pretty much jumped on the Asian male, eighteen to twenty-one years old. That's from the police report. Right. My. My two cents on that is, how do you know? I mean, you can fake an accent right. so well that, I mean, it, it just it just kind of confuses me why they, like, sunk their teeth in on that. Right. And I know if they're trained to know certain things like that, yeah. but it seemed almost too convenient that they could turn around and say, it was an Asian male around I, the same age as them. They have to know. It was very interesting that they I just... I always used to think that, too. Like, how do you know? Like, obviously, there are some ways that you can tell... But I always used to think it was interesting how they were so sure that the call was coming from an Asian male. And you'll find out later just how interesting this case gets with police and how, like, how it gets, you know, changed a little bit. So just keep that in mind that, like, how do you even know that it's an... I feel like that's a very big assumption to make, (laughs) you know, just because they might have that accent. Let's not rule out the fact of the matter, you know... These are high school kids. Right. So Yeah, what we're talking about is a group at this time in 1999 is made up of vastly, you know, 17 to 16 to 18 year old kids. The only exception really being um, Hayes' boyfriend at the time when she was um, when she was murdered, this um, a man Don. named Don, who was, I believe, 20. 20, 21 or something like that around that age. So, you know, we're talking about young kids here you know i mean obviously some people at 17 and 18 you know they're way more mature than others but we're talking about kids here but yeah i always used to think that was funny too how like they would say that you know it was an asian male that called in and i I mean it could have been it's just really hard to for me to imagine i mean somebody who went to a public high school if if something like this happened in my public high school i can name Three people off the top of my head who would immediately call to be that anonymous caller, even if they knew nothing about it. Right. Because they're that type of person. I just can't see, you know, I, I mean, I know this was the late 90s, yeah. but I can't imagine a high school being completely void of somebody wanting that attention. Right. And especially because of, like, the type of case it was and how, at the time, it, it was... just was, so pointed. Right. Like, exactly. Just, I mean, like, everybody in that school knew Hay. And everybody in that school knew Adnan. So there was n- there was no shortage of people who would have wanted to put themselves in the middle of it. And so I just always found, yeah, they, I mean, this is something, in, like, you know, like Liv said before, you'll start to notice, like, quickly how the police had blinders when it, w- when it came to their idea of who they thought was the right su- suspect for the crime. And they basically kind of just, you know, had tunnel vision the entire time. So, uh, fast forward, we are now February 28th, 1999. We will talk a little bit more later about the stuff that transpired between February 12th and the 28th, but on February 28th, 1999, Adnan Syed was arrested in his home and charged with first-degree murder as an adult. Like I said before, he was 17 at the time. The reason why he was being tried as an adult or was being charged as an adult at the time, was because 
in the court records, they had his date of birth as a year earlier than when it was supposed to be. It would be corrected later on to show that he was 17 years old. Um, that would take the death penalty away. Because at the time when they first introduced, you know, his charges in court, first-degree murder charges as an adult in the state of Maryland at the time carried a sentence um, of possible death. Um, when you bump it down to, you know, a minor, it becomes a life-in-prison type ordeal. I have my opinions on how things went with all that, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk more in depth about that. Um, but it, it was just the way that the cops got to this point, it, it just... I mean, I think at the time, anybody who knows true crime and kind of knows the area knows that the police were not very just in what they were yeah. doing. That was a, that, that's a oh, common no, no, fact. This, this, this right, yeah, like, like, I'm not, like, listen, trust me, I come from a family who has police officers in it, and I have no issue with them, but... I think this was a time where, like, people could get away with it. Right. And especially in the area where it was. Right. Um, I feel Bal- like the documentary Baltimore, really... Baltimore like, City, and even the county, but mostly city police at the time, was a very corrupt organization. There's an actual quote, and I'll try to find it real quick, um, yeah. where the police chief said that their main goal was having um, cases come in and out and just close the yes. case. Oh, their, the their closure rate was insane. And like, I remember another... I think it was in Undisclosed. They they talked about the closure rate of the of of uh, Baltimore City Police Department as being one of the highest in the nation. And you're thinking, oh, that's great. They're closing cases. Well, that's not necessarily true. They're closing cases, but for the most part, they were closing cases based off of evidence that was fishy, and based off of evidence that they got in ways that were were less than reputable for you know the time. So. It, it's a long, it's a long story, and we'll get more to that. But so fast forward a little bit. So now we're later into 1999. So the family, you know, Nan's family hires this lawyer named Christina Gutierrez, and Christina at the time, I mean, you they talk about it in serial, they talk about it in undisclosed. She was like the best of the best in terms of like trial lawyers and things like this. Mm-hmm. You know, she was, as they said, a lion in the courtroom. I mean, this lady did not pull punches. She was the type that would go toe-to-toe with anybody on that stand, whether it be a, a boy, girl, man, woman, whatever it was on that stand, she would fight for her client. They went to trial in December, and it was December 15th they went to trial, and the trial only lasted three days. And this is stuff that I'm sure you've all heard if you've listened to Undisclosed or if you've listened to Serial or even the, um, the HBO uh, documentary. The first trial that Adnan had in 1999 ended in a mistrial. Basically, it was like a moment where Christina Gutierrez was talking with the judge about a certain type of evidence that was put mm-hmm. into into discovery for, you know, we'll talk about this a lot. The prosecutor put some discovery in there about phone records. Mm -hmm. And Christina said, oh, well, like, I haven't read them. And the prosecutor said, well, or like, I didn't get them. And like, the prosecutor told her, like, no, you got them. Like, they were in the file. And she said, well, yeah, no, like, I got them, but I didn't read them yet. 
And basically the judge was like, I don't, you know, I don't like what you're saying. Like you basically lied in what you said that you, you know, that you didn't get this stuff. And she basically, you know, resented the implication and they had a bench meeting. And what they do is when they have these bench meetings, they put this like white noise on. Mm-hmm. And when you put that on, it's supposed to basically not allow for anybody in the jury or in the audience to hear what's being said at those bench meetings. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently that didn't that wasn't the case this time around. Um, somebody in the jury slipped a note to the bailiff. They gave it to the judge saying, you know, like, hey, because Miss Gutierrez said that she lied, does that mean she'll be removed from this case? Does that mean that we're going to start all over again? And the judge, you know, relayed that information to the uh, to the court, and that's when Christina Gutierrez decided, you know, called for a mistrial and it was granted. And what's a fun fact about that is that it wasn't. So let me ref- let me like phrase this properly. There was like a almost like a straw poll done by like Christina Gutierrez's like firm and the people that worked for her talking to the jury about at that point in the trial what had been said, mm-hmm. um, whether or not they would have convicted or not at that point. And it looked like all signs at that point in the trial were going towards a an acquittal. Because there wasn't there wasn't enough evidence to prove that he was the one that did this. And so And what's interesting too to know about her was her declining health. Yes. That she hid. So as awesome as she used to be, I mean we all you know, can't really judge her too much because you don't you never know that's funny else's circumstances. Right. But you know, had she decided that it was best for her client to step down, I right. do think that there would have never been a mistrial and he probably yeah. would have been acquitted on the first trial. But Unfortunately, she she mishandled evidence, mishandled information she was given, and ultimately, you know, it ended in some really bad things. Yeah, I mean, and she, um, in 2004, I believe, passed away Mm -hmm. from uh, complications of MS, Mm -hmm. Um, but at the time in 1999, it was clear that she started to have a decline in her health, Mm -hmm. and that's something that they talk about in, in Undisclosed and in Serial, that other cases that she had taken on at the time were suffering as well. She was focusing on Adnan's case, you know, making promises about other cases and not delivering on those promises. So if she had just kind of at that time, if she had, you know, kind of given the reins over to somebody else in her in her um, practice, maybe Adnan would have had a chance in that right. trial to, you know, actually make it out of there. And we wouldn't be talking about it to this day. Right. Um, but unfortunately, that was not the case. So fast forward to February of 2000. So he is given another trial, and the the, the point that the, the point that we're trying to make about the fact that that mistrial was such a big deal is that in the first trial, the state's case was so choppy. Yes. The state had so There's many... There's an argument to be made that in the second trial it was as well, but unfortunately they had more time. Right. Because of the mistrial. I mean, December to February is a long time. Especially in cases like this. Exactly, yeah. When you're talking about a murder trial, like, you usually want to get that done pretty quick. And we'll see why they had some time. Right. And that. so, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll definitely see that. They had more time to get their story together, or at least... 
have it make a little more sense, even though it's still, in my opinion, we'll talk about this more, never makes sense. In February of 2000, the second case ends in a guilty plea. And Adnan is sentenced to life in prison plus 30. And so at 18 years old, Adnan now is, you know, sent to prison for the rest of his life. Obviously, fast forward now, between the appeals process basically, you know, started almost right away for Adnan. He started in 2003, he appealed to the courts and his appeal was denied for for, uh, post-conviction relief. I believe that was what it was. And that was denied by, well, I believe, wasn't it the same judge that originally... So in March 19, March 2003, it was denied. Um, May 28, 2010 is when his new lawyer, Justin Brown, laid out all the failures from the first trial. Right. Um, but it wasn't until 2013, December 30th, 2013, that the post-conviction relief was denied. So this is 13 years after. Right. You and know, then, this is, he's still sitting in jail. And the it wasn't until 2015, February 6th, 2015, that he was even given permission to appeal, like, the denial of the post-conviction relief. Right. And they were really trying to go off of, I mean, their main goal was to show that Christina Gutierrez was ineffective in terms of what she did for Adnan and one of the things we'll definitely talk about is you know leaving out key evidence that could have been an alibi for Adnan at the time of Hayes murder um you know we they we talk they talk about it in both podcasts a lot you know what Justin Brown came in and did was trying to give Adnan a chance to show that there is so much that Christina Gutierrez just missed the mark on yep so speaking of that let's go back to the to the to the days leading up to Hayes' murder and um, the day of, and kind of give a rundown of that. Right. So um, the days leading up, that was when we were, we were talking about, they talked about what happened with um, the, was it the, the dance, right? So the dance was, um, I believe, like a week earlier or something like right. that. Honestly, some of those, those details, go back and watch even the HBO special. I feel like that's yeah. going to be your best recap. Just so you can put some faces to it. Um, Serial and Undisclosed are awesome too, but um, yeah. getting a very quick filler of what we're talking about, um, because this case is just full of so yeah. many different little holes that kind of need to be filled. It's a really good place to start with some of this, it, but um, for this particular part, I think that like it is important to mention the, the dance, but... At the same time, like, keep in mind these are high schoolers. So some of the things that are being said and being done aren't some adults that are overreacting and being... These are teenagers. I mean, they can't... You know, they're... Some of the things that she wrote, writes in her diary, some of the things that are said about, you know, what... At one point, one of the dances... um, where she went with Adnan, um, there's different accounts of what happened there, you know, when she dated him, uh, right. where the parents came in and, you know, she says that it was a big deal. He says it was a different type of a big deal. It's high schoolers, you right. know, so a lot of the things that we talk about are going to be, they can be argued because it's, because same thing in the, the police reports. They're going to say one thing about how it happened, but they treated them as adults and not as high schoolers with right high school emotions and high school abilities. And you'll, you'll start to see that, you know, when they really kind of, when you go through how the police did things, 
you could you could tell that the state's case relied on the basically the information of students and the information of children that were trying to figure out things that they did weeks past. Yeah, I mean they didn't even interview some of these people until you know a month or two later. Right. So I mean, it's like, just you saw. I mean, we like we said before, Hay went missing on January thirteenth. Mm-hmm. She wasn't found until almost a month later on February 9th. Right. And in between that time, they didn't even have any sort of like. They had no leads. They had no. They didn't have any leads. They didn't talk to anybody. Everything that happened happened in those vital weeks between the anonymous call on February 12th and the non's arrest on February 8th. Those those weeks right there are where everything took place for the police. Because mm-hmm. leading up to that anonymous call on the 12th, they had nothing. Right. And and it wasn't until they got this anonymous call that it started it, it all. started it all. So the the thing though that we talk about the dance and all that is just because a week leading up to so basically Anon and Hayes' relationship for its entirety was, you know, it, it was, was hidden. Romeo, well, it was Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, it, they even talk about it in one of the podcasts. They said it was very Shakespearean. Oh, very much. Um, like it was two different families, two very different you know styles. Well, a, actually, not very different styles if you really think about it. They're Both, just from very different cultures, right? You know, exactly. He was, a, he was a Muslim male. He was yeah. told he can't date. He can't be around females, really. Like, um, and that was something that was very, very like very strict. Like pounded in at at trial. Yes. They really, really wanted to make sure that everybody knew like he was somebody that was going against all of his religious beliefs. But he was 17. He was 17. Who did not go against what their parents told them to do? I'm sorry. Right. That's my two cents there. Yeah. I just, you know, regardless of how religious you were, please tell me like, a like, time that you completely stuck with what you were Listen, taught as a like, child. I know that my mom and dad are listening to this, but I think that they'll know that I'd be a liar if I said that at 17 years old I was, like, the best Christian boy in the world. I mean, anybody who is anyone who was in high school, in public high school, right. no less... You, you said and you did things that, like, if you really look back on it, you'd be like, that's definitely not something I should have been doing. Right. Um, but their relationship was a secret to their families. And yeah. that weighed heavy on Adnan, especially. Yes. Um, but it wasn't in a way where he felt as though he... Like it weighed on his him. mom. Even says in the documentary, she knew. Right. And like, you know, I mean, it was a big deal because it's a big deal to them, culturally right. and religiously. But at the same time, I think even his mom and he knew it too. You know, and he said it. I, I believe it was in the HBO documentary where he was like, I mean, I know she knew, but I mean, and she made a big deal about it. But I mean, it was fine. Like, you know, they wanted to be good little children. <laughs> That's what they were. They were right. children. But he's, I mean, he's still a teenage boy. So, I mean, yeah. I think Hayes' parents were a little bit more strict with some of that stuff. It was a little bit more, um, culturally, you know, she was Korean, right? Yes. And, uh, yeah. Very, and very culturally that way. Exactly. Yeah. Like, they, it was, I mean, the community was behind, just as much as the, you know, the Islamic community was behind it. Non, mm-hmm. the Korean community in Baltimore was behind. It very much fa- became a race war. Oh, it did. No, it definitely. I mean, race was one hundred percent. You the know, and what what a shock, Baltimore. I mean, when are we ever not talking about race things coming up? You know, coming happening to happening in Baltimore. I mean, we've seen it in the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, we see it 
every day. But it was very much driven into the narrative of, you know, they came from different backgrounds, they kept it a secret, and that was what drove Ednan to do what he did. Right. Um, Which we'll find out, you know. Right. That that, it doesn't even make sense. Right. So I think now is the part where we need to get into those fateful days between February 12th and the anonymous call. Well, let's back up a little bit first, babe. Let's talk about... What are we talking about? Let's talk about even Hayes' diary. Okay. Um, And the reason I want to bring that up first is to kind of explain a little bit of what is going to happen after, you know, the 12th. A lot of... One thing that's really interesting is how much she was... How much she really, really wanted to be with Dawn. Um, Keep in mind, they weren't together very long, but... who are we to judge? I bet they were children. Different story. Um, well, Anon, or I mean, Don wasn't a child. What? Okay. If you was, really, like, they even talk about how he you, was 22. I looked that up. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to argue either way mm-hmm. because psych- the psychology brain in me says your brain doesn't stop developing until 25. Yes, Especially. I'm a child and he is a lot older than me. <laughs> um, we'll talk about that. Yeah. You're only five years older. It's fine. Um, But, I mean, you can argue either way. And maturity-wise, I'm going to go ahead and put this two cents in there real quick just because I feel like it's going to (laughs) make sense for me. His mother was his boss who changed his time card for him. He was not an adult. So, like, that'll come back up in a minute. But he wasn't an adult. (laughs) Adults don't make those kinds of decisions. So, like, it's kind of hard for me to argue that he was also an adult because he acted more like a child in this case. And, you know, in his personal life, he acted more like a child. So they weren't really that far apart in age for it to be terrible. She was going to be 18, and right. um, some of, you know, four years will still, you know, we're, we're, it's, it's just so we're talking about the, like the late 90s where I felt like that was still kind it was, of. Not, it was still okay, kind yeah, of. Yeah, it was weird, um, And to mention, too, Dom was a white boy. Yes. And it seems that's going to come up. In a minute. So, but I just want to mention that, and I kind of wanted to say, like, in her diary, she really never had anything bad to say about Don. You know, she wrote letters to him, and, like, she would get mad at him, like, any high school relationship. But, like, you know, she was always more passionate about Adnan, which was interesting. Um, But the good thing about Hay, too, is that she had a very detailed diary, which, you know... I say this, and I'm not one who does it, but anybody out there should keep a diary for this reason, so that right. if you ever go missing, we can just look at it if and we'll figure out where you are. We know we know where to yeah. start. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just just keep a diary, guys. Um, just in case you get murdered. Just in case you get murdered. I mean, you, the reason why, though, I mean, like you you made a point there, though. Her and Don literally only had three dates, I believe. That I was, it was it. three weeks. They dated for three weeks. They had, like, one actual date. But they worked together. Um, That's where they met. Like, they met, um, they were both working at a Lens Crafters in Owings Mills, Maryland. Shout out Owings Mills. (laughs) I've been to that mall, so it's really weird to just, like, I mean, I've been to a lot of these other spots. I went back, you know, a couple years ago. um, Like I said, my sister lives outside that area, and um, we did a tour of the whole, just kind of of all the the main spots, you know. Mm. We stopped by the, uh, we didn't go back into the woods, but we stopped by the area where the grave site was. You know, it was, it was it's, you it's know, interesting. it's interesting. But, uh, but they only, but going back, um, they only dated for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Their first date was New Year's Day in 1999. And 
like so that kind of gives you an idea. She definitely states that she loves Don, and now you gotta take that with a grain of salt. Like we Again, said, it's children. high school. You know, I love Don, but she also says, "But I like like like." There was one five entry. seconds before she was talking about how. She was conflicted. Yeah, she, she loved she Adnan loved, loved Non, but all she gets, she says it in her diary. They talk about it where she says, but when I close my eyes, all I see is is him. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about Don. Like, this is so, like, this is what's important to know about all this. This is such a high school. It's it's very high school. And, you know, I, it really kind of speaks to Adnan's character, too, that he had so many good friends, including mm-hmm. Hay. You know, they... It was high school, and anybody who was in a high school relationship knows you hate that person the minute it's over because it's the easiest way to move right. on, right? But it was, um, but it was obvious that Hay didn't have any animosity towards it. No, now. and he, I mean, he was upset, sure, right. but. And this, I always hated this point because it made him sound bad. But even at non, like after they broke up, like he had other girls that he was talking to. And, yeah, and I and I hate the way that sounds, but like. Uh, we're not going to say that Adnan's perfect either. I mean, right. there are certain things that, I mean, for the sake of time, well, I guess we can go ahead and kind of put it together. But, like, you know, he he wasn't the best. He did steal from his mosque very small amounts of money. Right. But that does get bring, brought up in the trial. He right. did have other girls. He wasn't necessarily faithful to the ones that he had. But, again, 17. So what can you consider right. faithful? Because, you know, talking to a girl on the phone for a couple hours, like, okay. Right. Or, you know, he Once wasn't... Again. We're, we're talking about high school. Yeah, and he might have smoked a little weed. Like, right. you know, he, he was breaking the rules, but he was not... It, it's not murder. It's not quite the right. same. Like, like, I don't want to... Like, listen, like, I'm not trying to make excuses. And, like, I'm not trying to deflect. I feel like it's a big jump from... He stole $5 from the mosque because he three was, other kids right. were doing it, too, when they were taking up the offering. And... Literally everything that he did that they used against him were all teenage commonplace. Yes. I mean, like... I mean, I was just... Like, I was a sheltered child. I didn't smoke weed in high school or anything like that. I didn't. Yeah, you but know, you probably knew somebody talk. who did. I mean, right. that's the thing is, like, and there were probably good people. Right. I mean, I just. Oh, I know plenty of people that to this day still do, and right. they're great people. But just because but with, you go around smoking weed and you talk to different girls does not make you make you a murderer. murderer. Right. That that's and but that is something that like the right. state just really. They wanted they to just pounded in. exactly. They wanted to show that this this guy is not all you think he is. Right. So let's talk about what happened that day. So let's talk about um, yes. Adnan was really good friends with a girl named Stephanie. Yes. Um, and it happened to be her birthday, so he goes into class. So well, yeah. So an interesting fact about this, like I said it earlier, so Adnan was part of the magnet program at Woodlawn, and for those of you who don't know what that means. It's like an, it's like an, um... It's almost like, like, you know, you're, like, an honors, like, kind of like, you, you, I don't want to say you're smarter than everybody else, but, like, you excel better in, in certain degrees and in certain, like, what's the word I'm trying to think of? There's, there's, down in the South, we have something, um similar um i can't remember what it's called but basically it's where you take the extra classes and right. you get it's it's not ap classes that's a little bit different right um more magnet um is more concentrated it's and more it's, concentrated on certain subjects and like right. you but so he was part of the magnet program so was hey and um this and then this girl stephanie he was friends with she was friends with both hey and Adnan. 
So um, Stephanie, at the time, uh, was dating a young man named Jay Wilds. And for those of you who have listened to Undisclosed... Or rolling your eyes right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, we'll get back to him we'll in We'll get back to him because I have plenty of things to say about that man. Um, mm-hmm. But she was dating Jay Wilds at the time. Well, um, it was Stephanie's birthday, January 13th. And so um, Adnan, he was kind of friends with Jay. He knew Jay. He knew Jay. He only he was really only friends with him because of the fact that he was so close to Stephanie. Yes, and Jay was a supplier yes. occasionally of yes. weed. So but like this goes back to the whole everybody, you know, wants to point out like that they were potheads. That they were potheads and all that stuff. But so being a good friend that he is, you know, Jay or um Adnan wanted to make sure that Jay had a birthday present for mm-hmm. Stephanie. Yes. He called him in the morning, had said, Hey, do you have something for her? And Jay was like, no, I don't. And he's like, okay, here, you can borrow my car and go get her something at the mall. And you just pick me up at the end of the day. Pick me up. I got track practice after school. Yeah. So like, just to give you some times, at 745, he had photography class. So that's when he started school. Um, And he had an English class after that. Um, At 1045, Adnan calls Jay um, and offers him to lend his car. Um, my assumption there is that, again, being having been a high school a teenage girl, Stephanie probably goes, he hasn't called me on my birthday or he hasn't done this, um, which makes him, belie- you know, makes Adnan want to help her because, like he said, they're really good friends. Right. Um, so at 10.45 to 11.15 is the lunch period. Between that time, Jay, uh, between 11.15 and 11.30, um, Jay dropped Adnan back off at school, um, where he then had a free period um, until 12.50. Um, then he had, um, he was about, I mean, about 30 minutes late for his psychology class. I mean, it's interesting, but also not, because again, high school would have been late for class day. Too. It's the middle of the day, like, in, in, in the state's case, it doesn't even matter. Right. Because, like, Hay's still alive. Right. Hay's, Hay's, Hay's at, in class. Right. So, that doesn't he's even matter, late. even if he's... It's just, a, it's just an interesting note right. that, you know, he was late for that class. Mm-hmm. Um, at, between 12.15 and 3, um, 3.30, Anand says that he went to the Woodlawn Public Library to check his email and so, had a conversation with somebody named Asia. So, fun fact, this is something that the state wanted to try and make it seem like, oh, like he lied. He said he never went off site. The Woodlawn Public Library is so close to, it's in the same parking lot as Woodlawn mm-hmm. High. You don't have to leave. You don't have to leave. You could stand at the front door of the school and spit and hit the public library. I mean, like, it's that close. So Adnan goes to the library and he sees Asia. Yes, and she'll come back up in a minute. And she'll come back up. So from 3.30 or 4.30, or I'm sorry, 3.30 to 4.30 or 5, he had track practice. Um, Between 4.30 and 5, um, Adnan says that Jay picked um, him up from track practice then they, um, at around 6, Adnan and Jay go to, quote-unquote, Kathy's house. Um, if you look at the HBO 
Dr. Mm-hmm. Mary, she is named. Um, yes. but I feel like we should just keep up with Kathy because please her, don't sue us. <laughs> not her real name, Kathy. Not her real name, Kathy. <laughs> um, between uh, 607 and 624, Officer Adcock calls Adnan looking for hay. Uh, between 7 and 8 p.m., Adnan goes home, picks up food to take to his father at the mosque because it was um, during Ramadan. Ramadan. So yeah. they were not eating um, during the day. They only got to eat um, after sundown, after I sundown. believe. Yeah. Um, and then from 8 to 10 or 1030, evening prayers at the mosque, according to Adnan's father's testimony were taking place. Yes. So what's really interesting about that is his day seems very, very arithmetic. Um, Probably nothing different than what he does on a normal basis, except for allowing Jay to use his car and his new cell phone. That's another thing that they bring up a lot. So this is the fact that they try to like, that they try to make it seem like it's really, um, uh, I, I can't think of a better way to say it, but basically they made a point to show that so Adnan bought this cell phone the day before Hay went missing, mm-hmm. and they tried to say that oh well look at this he's buying a new cell phone the day before he murders her so that you know he has a way to communicate with with somebody to get you know get picked up, mm-hmm. and that the state really hones in on that. Well, Adnan bought had was really proud of this cell phone. He had they talk about it in in serial and in um, undisclosed, he worked hard to save up his money to get this phone. Mm-hmm. And back in the 90s, like everybody knows, like late 90s, like buying a cell phone was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, so... Um, but we'll come back to the call log in a second. Yeah, we'll come back to the call log. But Adnan bought the cell phone the day before. Um, but that right there, like honestly, it shows like it's a testament to how much of a great person Anand was and how important Stephanie was to him mm-hmm. that he wanted to make sure that she had a, she had a birthday gift from her boyfriend. Right. Not just a birthday gift from her friends, but from her boyfriend. So, you know, he's being nice. He lets Jay borrow the car. He lets him use the cell phone because he thinks, figures, I'm at school so I can call him from school, right. you know, and, and um, I don't need a cell phone with right. me at the time. But the state tries to make that show that he needed to have that cell phone with somebody else in order to make the call, which the famous call, which we... We're jumping around a lot. So here's what's going on. Um, So just to recap, Hay has a boyfriend named Don. And Don and Hay have only been together about three weeks at this point. It is January 13th, and it is Stephanie's birthday. Stephanie and Hay are good friends, as well as Adnan. Adnan has take an interest in Stephanie's birthday. He got her like a little stuffed animal. Um, doesn't really matter. Um, cause their yeah. testimonies didn't line up, but what boy remembers what animal they got the friend, you know, whatever. Um, Jay, you know, Adnan lends a car and cell phone to Jay, which is Stephanie's boyfriend to go and buy presents. Here's where it starts getting weird. Yes. Keep in mind before the anonymous call, nothing came up. there was no information nobody knew anything and that's you know almost a month later so now i think we should get into what after the call what happened next well so after the call was when um they first interviewed they interviewed Jen. Jen first. So now let's talk about Jen for like two right. seconds because we're yeah. getting really lengthy and we're not really saying much. Yeah. So <laughs> let me do a little little recap of Jen real quick. Yeah. She is an interesting character, which we'll talk about next episode for sure. Oh, yeah. But the very quick version of Jen is that she is a friend of Jay's. 
Um, she was a year older than Adnan, same age as Jay. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. Is Jay was not their age. He had already graduated. Yeah. He, was, he, he was only a year older, so, I mean, they had went to the same school at one point, but Jen was older as well. Um, she is a really big character in this case because, for some reason, as we're about to find out, detectives decided to talk to Jen not once, but twice before anybody else was interviewed. Yeah. Um, this is something to keep in mind when we start talking about the testimonies. Um, because, oh. you know, Jen, she, her story doesn't make sense. No. Either time. which And she contradicts herself often. All the time. Yeah. Um, what is recorded. That's another interesting right. tidbit. Oh, yeah. Um, let's just say some evidence got lost or wasn't recorded at all. So that... Yes, so let's just recap dates real quick. January 13th, Hay goes missing out from school. February 9th is when somebody found her body. February 12th, an anonymous call says to look at Adnan. February 18th, Adnan's cell phone records were subpoenaed. February 26th, so, you know, a week-ish later, detectives talk to Jen. She says she doesn't know anything. The next day, they interview Jen again. She says that Jay tells her that Adnan killed Hay. Yes. So, for some reason, the pothead friend that borrowed yeah. a car is now saying, is now telling a friend that happened right. to be involved in the story during the day. So, see, Jen gets freaked out by the police contacting her to begin with. Right. Calls Jay, and that's when Jay supposedly, like, he starts to crack. Yeah. So what's really interesting too is like I, you know you showed me this case, but my first thought was why Jen? Like right. I've never understood where how their brain got to her because she wasn't mentioned in anything. I guess from a detective side of view, why would you not go grab Adon and just be like, hey, what, what what's going on? Like here's right. what I know. I just I like you got the call on February twelfth. Twelfth. Check. Check. Check, check the ex-boyfriend. Check like, your talk leads. to the ex-boyfriend. Instead, they like they prance around for another like couple weeks and think like, oh, hopefully somebody will come up and say something. Yep. And then like somehow they get Jen's name. Yes. I we don't know where that comes from. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> it just kind of appears. And what's interesting too, and that one thing that was you know they probably said it and I just didn't hear it. You know, I didn't realize that Jen was. Um, interviewed before Jay because I feel like even interviewing Jay before Jen would make more sense to me because Jay was directly involved with Adnan. Right. Yeah. Because Jen, fun fact, Jen doesn't know Adnan. He, she, like she, well, she, she's met him in passing, I think, twice, at least according to Adnan. Right. You know, but like, but like, other than that, like they they're not friends. They don't really know anything about each no, other. But neither is Jay. Than, so like, I just yeah. feel like you know they met in passing a couple times right. doesn't mean like. But like the fact that after they get a tip of saying, look at the ex-boyfriend, the first person they think to contact or talk to is Jen is just beyond right. me. Right. So then after that, um, so that was on the 27th, when she says that Jay told her that Adnan killed Hay. The next day, February 28th, Jay's first interview with the detectives happened. Um, he tells them that Adnan showed him Hay's body. And then he leads them to Hayes' car. Now, keep in mind, Hayes' car hasn't been found since the day she went missing. We'll get back to that probably in part two because we need to. But that same day, Adnan is arrested. Yeah. Um, one little, like one little thing that like got me when we were listening to, or when I was listening to this and watching this documentary with you was, you know, when the when the detectives first came to his house, he was in the room with his dad. 
and he was so worried about hurting his dad's feelings and, you know, making, you know, disappointing his dad that it, it was just, it's one of those things that like, you know, looking at a kid, you just you just know like he's just so scared like right you know dad's gonna find out that I spoke like it was like it was like, it was like, like he was just any, so scared any teenager would be as nervous as he was about those little things like but it was just it was also considerate he was right. like can we can we I'll tell you what happened like I will I will whatever you think I did like we'll talk about it but please don't tell my dad like right. it was just like oh it just got me like he was just um, so nervous like his dad finding out that he had a girlfriend and then he was smoked pot like that's what he cared about I just I. Yeah. So on March 15th, Jay had a second interview with detectives. He then has a third interview with detectives on the 18th. And then April 13th, he had a fourth interview right. um, with detectives. So Jay is being the, you know, he's the most interviewed, definitely, in this case, which is yeah. beyond insane to me. Each of these times, um, between the second and the fourth, nothing was recorded. Which is also interesting. There was a couple of notes um, here and there that didn't really make sense from cops um, yeah. that were, or detectives. I'm sorry, not cops. That were like, you know, it was interesting. For um, sure. Oh, yeah. And then, so that was April 13th. So he wasn't interviewed again. And, and then September 7th, he signed an agreement pleading guilty to accessory after the fact of first degree murder of Heyman Lee. Because, you know, the second, you know, second interview, he's admitting to seeing Hay's body in the back of a truck, uh, back of, um, I don't know. It's Hay's car. Hayes, uh, back yeah. of Hay's car. So, it's just, that's just very, very interesting. I also really found it interesting that between Jen's first and second interview, her story changed so much. Yeah. That it well, was like, because it's like she Jay, went back to Jay and was like, what was our story again? Right. And that's something that comes up in the trial a lot. You'll notice that, like, her story and his story, they never are. They never never match up. But they they keep just ignoring it. Because that's when they choose to be like, oh, they're kids. They don't know what they're talking about. This is a murder trial. Right. And they are children. Yeah. But they're being put on the stand as adults saying, hey, what do you remember about this day? Can you tell me about this Muslim man? The state, like, picked out pieces of their stories that fit for them. Right. And made but the story as a whole never made sense. Right. Um, and that's something that we're going to get into on the next episode because right. that's going to tie into our theory about what we think really went on here. Right. So what we really have um, to go off of for Jay um, and what he said to police was his first and second interviews and, of course, what he said at the second trial because he can't really use anything from the first trial. Because it ended in a trial. trial. It doesn't really matter what he said. Right. Well, it is it is it is important though to state that in the first trial, they like I think one of the things that they when they polled um, jurors was that they didn't believe Jay's testimony. Right. Um, that it felt like he was Jay, just. Jay, I don't think we mentioned this either. Was a black male. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, race comes into play because this is a very you know racially fueled case. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, Jay Jay was a black male. So you know, and in Baltimore County, that you know, that puts a target on his back, and he's mm-hmm. very afraid of police. Yes, and um, will do anything to kind of avoid, you know, any contact with police. Which is funny because you know later on in his life that just we'll talk about that next. We'll episode. talk about that next episode, but um, but yeah, no, for sure that that was 
at the end at that trial that's the only thing about that trial that was interesting but yeah his second trial is the most important so from his first interview let's go back to the story of the day so adnan's story is basically he goes to school he goes with um jay to go to the mall or whatever to during his free during, during his, free, his period, period, free period to go yeah. get a go get a little stuffed animal for stephanie right um he goes back to school he le- you know he's got a little bit of time between school and track practice he goes to the library Checks he goes to tra- goes at, you know um goes to track practice um has jay pick him up they go go to Kathy's house for a little bit. He, they go to Taco Bell. I think that's what they talk about later. Um, and then he gets, you know, he drops Jay back off and they call it a night. It's interesting is Jay's first testimony says, so this is where it starts getting a little bit, uh, where it starts changing between the two. Um, Jay says that he went, at 12.30, Jay dropped Adnan off at school and keeps the car, which is true. Yeah. That's at 12.30. At 12.35, Jay goes to Jen's house and hangs out there for about three hours. At 12.45, Jen gets home from work. So, you know, he's there for about 10 minutes without her there. Then she shows up. Another place that that, you know, that, that was added information, I guess not different from Adnan's. It's just interesting to know. 4.15, Adnan and Jay ditch Hayes' car at um, the I-70 park and ride is what Jay says. And he also said that, you know, 15 minutes earlier than that at 4, that that was where they met. To for um, Adnan to show Jay um, Hayes' body in the trunk of her car, and yeah, then and, uh, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> Four thirty-five to five oh five, Adnan and Jay smoke a blunt at um, a state park. They stay there for about thirty minutes. And then at 4.30, Jay drops Adnan off at track practice and goes home. At like 6.45, Adnan calls Jay um, to come pick him up. And then they said they go to McDonald's. I'm sorry, not Taco Bell. McDonald's um, at 7. Um, while the police, that's when the police call Adnan when they're looking for hay. They, at 7.15, they leave McDonald's to go to Jay's house for a shovel and a pick. That is interesting because from the get-go, Jay pretty much says, we used my shovel um, and then we ditched it. Um, right. I just, uh, I don't understand that. Like, um, like, why would you implicate yourself in this any more than you've already done it just that. Doesn't make sense. Like, then it says that they moved their car, you know, moved her car again. Um, and then Jay told Jen that Adnan killed Hay that same night. Um, after seven, you know, that was all, all after seven thirty when that happened. That's and that's the and that and the confusion of that at the end of the night in his first testimony is where he says that he that Adnan dropped him off at her house at his at at Jay's house. Right. That was or the first Jay's grandmother's house. Jay's grandmother's house. That's yes. where he lived. That that was his first interview. He said that Adnan dropped him off there, and that that's where Jen saw Adnan dropping off Jay, and right. then it changes for the second. Yep. So in the second one, what changed there was at you know twelve thirty ish. Jay went to Jen's house to play video games with her brother. Interesting little tidbit because she didn't, I don't think she lived with her brother. I know she lived with the sorority sister, but yeah, she had a roommate, but I don't, I don't believe her brother was living there, right? No, I think he was. Was I think that, I think that the brother was living at the house. Maybe, but there was also, there was also another roommate that's, you know, involved here. Then it's like, um, this is at 1.30, Jen comes home. So that's a, you know, that's a pretty lengthy amount of time in between. Um, and then at 3.30, Jay leaves um, Jen's house. 3.35, Adnan calls Jay when Jay is halfway home to say, come and get me, I'm at Best Buy. At 3.40, Adnan shows Jay Hayes' body in the truck of her car at the Best Buy parking lot. 
At 3.55, Adnan and Jay ditch Hayes' car at the I-70 park and ride and head to the Forest Park neighborhood looking for weed. Pretty much the rest of it. Oh, um, 3.32, there's another interesting thing, as the Nisha call. That'll come up, well, I guess probably next episode because I feel like that ties more into what we have to say with yeah, that stuff. Sure. Um, just keep in mind the Nisha call. 3.59, Jay calls his friend Patrick to score some weed. 4.30, same thing. They go to um, Adnan and Jay, smoke a blunt um, at the state park, and they stay there for 20 or 30 minutes. Then at 5.10, Jay drops Adnan off a track practice. At 5.15 and 5.45, Jay drives um, back to the park to smoke a blunt by himself, and he drives back to his house and then to Kathy's house to smoke weed there for another 10 or 20 minutes. Then, you know, Jay picks him up for track practice. They go to Kathy's house. His brother called Adnan looking for hay during this, you know, after 6.15. Police called Adnan also looking for hay. 6.30, Jay and Adnan drive to Jay's house to get shovels. 6.55, Jay and Adnan return to the park and ride to retrieve Hay's car. Right. Bury Hay um, in Lincoln Park. They drive around for 30 minutes until finally ditching Hay's car in a residential lot. Adnan throws Hay's things in the sh- and the shovels in the dumpsters at Westview Mall. Adnan drops Jay off at home. Jen picks up Jay and he tells her that Adnan killed Hay. She takes him to the FMN, FNM and he throws his clothes in a dumpster. Then they go back to the dumpster at Westview Mall, and he wipes his fingerprints off the shovels. Um, then he, then Jay goes to see Stephanie, because remember, it's her birthday. Then Jen and Jay go back to Kathy's for the rest of the evening until Jay goes home. What's very interesting about that is that he made it a point to mention that not only are they using his shovels, right. he's going to go back and wipe the fingerprints? Yeah. I don't understand. If you're... Sm- you don't even know this guy. I can't right. imagine like, a scenario that they, they tried or to, not. They tried to make it seem like Jay's relationship with Adnan was closer than it was. But literally, like, the only thing that they had was that they would smoke weed sometimes and that Jay was dating Adnan's good friend. Right. Other than that, like, Jay and Adnan didn't have a friendship. They just knew each other. Right. And... And Anand knew that he could get weed from Jay. Right. But other than that, like, their relationship was so blown out of proportion by the state. Oh, yeah. And and oh, yeah. his inconsistencies in, in his in his accounts of the day, by trial, the, the, the trip to Patapsco State Park, where they talk about it, just disappears from his narrative. And it, the timeline... And, and, and the timeline, and the big thing about that second timeline you talked about... He talks about dropping a non off a track practice at what time again? Uh, in, in the, the second one. In the second one. Um, at ten. At, I'm sorry. At five ten. That's over an hour and a half. I think Being after light. practice would have started, and like they did say that the coach for track didn't made a habit of not taking attendance. Yeah, but he usually would have. But noticed. he would have known if a non was not there. And especially would have known if it not had shown up more than an hour late for practice. Right, if you just up in the middle of practice, I feel like that's more noticeable than right, not showing exactly. up at all. Because it was Ramadan, so I feel like right. there, I, there was that was mentioned. When that was, was a big thing, as they mentioned that they did, they he didn't run, right? Because he it was didn't Ramadan. Come to practice. Yeah, he the coach let him come to practice, but he didn't train like with the rest of the team, right? Because he wasn't running because he, he was fasting for Ramadan, right? Um, and just just for safety. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. That's a lot of information, I know, and that's probably a good place for us to kind of pause on our story. Yeah. But that's just going to give you an overview of everything going on so far in the case. And it's as as we said, between 
this episode and our next episode, definitely go through and watch at least the the HBO. Yeah, I feel like um, that's going to be the, just a starter. Yeah, you know, the because, rest of them are awesome, and I think oh, that yeah. that should be a follow-up. But just so you can For get sure. caught up on what we're talking about. It's a lot of names, a lot of things moving, right. um, a lot of times. The, the good thing about the times, though, is there's only a couple that are very specific. It's just kind of good to give a whole overview right. so that if you're weirdos like us, you can make a chart, and you can kind of look at it yourself. Right. Or just look at the Serial yeah. Podcast website and you can look at yeah. it for yourself. You don't have to write anything down. It's just really, um, it's just interesting to kind of keep in mind how those times change. And just think about how time works. <laughs> you can't be in a place uh, 20 minutes from now if it takes you 45. Right. You know, just exactly. just kind of kind of keep that in mind when yeah. we're talking about some of this stuff. Um, and, um, but definitely, yeah, like, I, like Liv's right. I would say watching the HBO documentary, um, it's called The Case Against Adnan Syed. Yeah. Watch that because it'll give you a better overview of, like, what's going on. And then it'll give you an idea of where we're going in our theory. So right. our next episode, we're going to really dive into, like... What, about the police that are involved in this case. Right. Um, definitely more about the, we, you know, we've kind of touched on it, and I think made our points very clear about the racial injustice that happens yes, with this case. For sure. Um, it just kind of, we're just going to talk about it a little bit more. And, yeah. And then we'll also, and then we'll end that episode with our theories right. on what we believe really went down on January 13th. Right. That led to Heyman Lee's death. Um, cause the point in all of this is that like, and they say it all the time in the podcast, we, along with so many other people just want to know, we want justice for Hay and we want to have the person who was actually responsible for this put behind bars. Right. Because Adnan has now spent more than half of his life behind bars for a crime that if you really look at the facts. At least he wasn't presented properly. Right. You yeah. know, I, I think that that's one thing, to, you know, we can never prove innocence and yeah. especially being listener. I think. But it, if you look at the facts, like you can see that the way. He did was, not have a fair trial. Exactly. The, the way that the police presented it, the way the state presented it, he was not given a chance. He was not given due process and he was 100% discriminated against for who he was. Right. So that's where we're going to land, you know, at the end of next episode is after going through more about, you know. Talking about the phone calls. Talking about the phone calls, talking about the police, everything that happened in the trial, and more about Jay, because he's the most important figure in this other than Hay and Anon. Right. Um, And Jen. And Jen. (laughs) There's a lot to talk about. But Um, um, we'll definitely... But at the end of the day, a beautiful girl was murdered for no reason. For sure. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you know, they talk about it in the podcast, and or I mean, in in the documentary, and you'll see... You know, she was just someone who was full of life and had so much to live for and so much that she could do. Um, mm-hmm. And to have her life ended the way it was ended, just... It breaks my heart. Yeah. I mean, we often forget in the craziness of all this other stuff that happened on with this case and its popularity, we often forget about the fact that... Yeah, a lot of the focus goes to Adnan, right. and while he does deserve justice as well, even just a fair trial, even if he is guilty, I mean, everybody deserves a fair trial. Yeah. I, 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 my personal opinion is I don't believe he's guilty, but I could be wrong. I mean, right. I'm, I just, hey, at the end of the day, never received justice. Right. You know, whether it was a fair trial or not, she, it's hard for me to believe that she's resting in peace knowing that 
either somebody she loved dearly is behind bars who doesn't deserve to be there, you know, or if he is supposed to be there and didn't get it, though. she's still not getting to rest. He's still right. getting all the attention of her case. It was her life that was ended. Right. You know, he's still alive and he still gets to fight for his rights. So it's just, it's just kind of hard to like keep that in mind because it does get wrapped up in right. Adnan because he is the, the center. He's the focus. Yeah. And, but it really should be her and her life and what, you know, what happened to her family is just yeah. atrocious. So for sure. So, um, Stay tuned. Uh, we'll have a lot more uh, to dive into next week. I know that we kind of jumped around on this. We'll um, get better, guys. We'll definitely get better. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know, even though I've been doing this for a year or so with my other podcasts, I'm still not really good at you know keeping a, a, a semblance because we're talking of, to each other. <laughs> yeah, of, of, we can't see you guys. Right. Yeah. You know, keeping it like all in 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 yeah. order is not something I do very well. Um, so. Um, but just bear with us, and uh, we'll definitely work out the kinks. But next episode, we will definitely dive more into all those things that we talked about and give yeah. you our theories on this case. So um, we really hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, give um, us some feedback. We got a, we right. got a Gmail, podcast.case.closed at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll put all that information like in the description just so that you guys have that. We have a Facebook we have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram. I mean, yeah. look it up because I don't know it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know it either. She's in <laughs> charge of all that stuff. Um, I'm not very good at, like, setting up all this stuff. And also, if you're interested in any of the stuff that we've talked about and any of the stuff we've referenced, we will also have all that in the uh, the notes and description yes. of the podcast. And our Instagram is podcast case closed. No spaces, no periods, no nothing. Yeah. Gmail again is podcast.case.close.gmail.com. So tell us what you think. Give us feedback. Yes. Um, what you love, what you hated, um, whether you want to tell hear... Tell us what to do because we don't right. know what we're doing. Yeah. Whether you want to hear more Flynn Huffs, <laughs> um, that's um, that's an important thing to know. So, um, But other than that, um, we're so excited for this journey that we're starting here. And yeah. um, Have a good night, guys. Have a good night, yeah. All information presented in this podcast will be cited in the show notes. Music for Case Close composed by Catastrophic Jones. Editing by Olivia McDonald. Case Close is produced by Sean and Olivia McDonald.